between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth.
priestly mouth mm. is in your midst. Mm. I am here in your midst with my sight, mm. and I am here in, my, in your midst with my mouth for to speak my eyes, for to speak my eyes, for to raise you up to my eyes, for to raise you up to my eyes, for to raise you, to raise you, to raise you, to raise you up to eyes, to eyes, to eyes, to eyes mm. of priests, to eyes mm. of priests, eyes of priests, priestly eyes, priestly eyes, for in my mouth is knowledge and as I speak I am raising you to my eyes I am giving you sight I am giving you sight I am giving you new sight I am giving you new sight new sight for new height new height new sight it is new height it is height of newness it is the realm of newness for I the priest of the Lord is in your midst and I have come with my mouth that keeps the knowledge of my God Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Samale Antosios. I have. I am here. Sayal Mahia. Oli Hayos. I am to my colors on seal on seal on seal on seal. I'm a son on seal. I am so. I'm a little Coming out. I come in a hot cup. I'm a lacosios. To Pelanoski. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Father, we thank you. We fetch grace and we fetch help. Help tonight to, Lord, to flow with your angel, Lord, to, for to minister these things, for to even see them. To hear them, to see them, 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 to see them. Even to see them, to see them, to see them, to see them. Help, we receive help. We receive help of the Spirit. We receive the help of the Spirit. Fatamaloskis koske, madismas kosya, that not cause. Pray, that I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, cause this ministry to be unsealed in the heart, in the hearts, to be unsealed, to be unsealed, even in the hearts, even in the hearts of your people. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Paranoshke We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Good evening to everybody. God bless you. Please welcome somebody tonight. Say, I'm happy to see you again. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs>
Glory to Jesus. Amen. Some of you are not happy to see him. Okay. You're happy to see your husband. Okay, that's good. But well, you've been seeing him all day, so. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. You guys don't like greeting each other. You just want to hear the word, eh? Amen. You don't know that that's part of the. That's part of the. You don't know you can get blessed through that too. Huh? Hmm? Happy to see you. Amen. You know that that helps to open your heart, you know, to the spirit of God, to bless you. Sometimes the key is in your, in the face of somebody. You don't think you don't think that. You don't think it's possible. Or is it maybe because of the because of the prophecy? So you feel the you just want to hear the angel directly. You don't think that, uh, Amen. There's also in the epistle say you should, you know, greet one another, kiss your brother with a holy kiss, and all of that. Praise God. Amen. Can you tell someone I'm happy to see you this evening? Praise God. Amen. That's where the praise God. You f- that's the best way to flow through. Okay, if you want to flow into into the the blessing of the Spirit, you um, you can. The reason for for coming together is to feel that connection. There's something. That um, there's a there's a touch that every soul needs uh, with when you come together when we come together, Amen. amen. Um, when our, there's a way we ought to connect that opens up the atmosphere. Praise God that it opens up the atmosphere to the to the Lord to to flow to bless us. It creates the atmosphere of blessing. Is that not Psalm one thirty? Three, he said how good and how pleasant it is for, for brethren to dwell together in, in unity. So it's like the, the precious what? Ointment upon all, upon the head of the what? Of the priest that flows down his beard to his garments. Praise God. He's talking about the blessing of the priestly people. Praise God. And he flows down through him and then even to his feet, um, the skirt of his garment. It's as a dew of, of Hermon. And as the dew upon the mountain of Zion. For there the Lord commanded what? For there the Lord commanded the, the blessing. Praise God. 
Um, amen. So there's something about dwelling together and atmosphere of blessing. So when, you, when we come together, that's an attitude that you pick. You pick that attitude. It's the, it's the joy of fellowship. And that joy, the joy of fellowship, you might think, ah, is a joy in the Holy Ghost or in the Spirit, but the joy of fellowship is in, look to your side, to your right, and to your left. Aha. Uh -huh. That's where the joy is. You just looked at the joy, where God kept the joy. Maybe <laughs> you don't believe that your joy can, can never come from that person you looked at. <laughs> Do you believe that? Yes. That's your, that person is your joy. Look at your right and your left. That, that's your joy sitting beside you. That's the, the joy, the customized joy that God has given to you. Do you agree with that? Do you, you accept that? You accept my theology? <laughs> you, you think I'm sorry. I'm sorry, the chair is empty. Don't worry. Maybe that's where the angel is sitting. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. That's one thing we need to enjoy. We need to learn more and more. The more spiritual you are, the more capacity you have to enjoy your brethren. Because mm, <laughs> what stops enjoyment is too much focus on yourself. When you... When you focus on yourself too much, you can't enjoy others. But the more you, are, you become spiritual, the more you have the ability to enjoy the, the next person. And that's how doors open up to you. Your soul, your soul opens up and, and God can bless you. Praise God. Amen. Okay, let's, let's open our Bibles. Book of Revelation, let's quickly see. Um, Revelation chapter, chapter 7. Thank you, Father. Praise God. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Revelation 7, it says, and after these things, I saw, four, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt, hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the, what? The servants of our, what? Of our God, in their foreheads. Praise God. Praise the Lord. So we have sealed the who? The servants of, of our God. And 
prophet. Okay, let's, let's see again. Verse 1, you saw four angels, praise God, standing on the four corners, holding the four winds of the earth, and then the, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. Then verse 2, it says that I saw then another angel ascending from the east, having the word, having the seal of the living God. Say the seal. The seal of the living God. Praise God. And so we see here that the, the purpose of this seal, the, the, what the seal is for, is the seal is to seal the servants of God. The seal of the living God is to, or sorry, the seal which the angel, praise God, the angel who had the seal of the living God which the angel came, or they call him another angel. Another angel. Now, they showed four angels having, holding the winds of the earth. Then another angel having the seal of the living God. Now, the breath that I'm seeing here is that this another angel is another kind of angel another kind or another type of angel that has the seal of the living God. So, so it's another angel, it means another messenger or another kind of messenger that, that has the seal of the living God. Praise the Lord. Um, so this angel is, is, bringing, is bringing the seal and is bringing the seal to seal the servants and by God's grace, we've looked a little bit at these seals uh, in the New Testament. Praise God. That we saw that in the Bible that there are three seals for the soul, right? The, the seals for the soul are the seals that are calibrated according to the oracles of God. So it means that every oracle of God is to raise the soul to a point of being sealed by a specific seal. And we saw that there's the seal of the milk of the word, which the Holy Ghost gives, right? To you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's the first seal. And when we spoke up, saw the seal of Christ, praise God, that the foundation of God standard sure, having this seal, that what? The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let them that name the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So we saw that this is the seal of Christ, and then here is another seal, which is a different kind of seal, which is a seal for people who are, have become the servants of God. So there's a difference between them that are his, and the Lord knowing them that are his, and those who have become the servants of God. The servants of God. Praise the Lord. So it's very clear that those who are the servants of God are people who will be sealed, who will be sealed with this seal of the living God. Does that, do you agree with that? Praise God. Those who are servants of God are the ones who will be sealed with the seal of what? Of the living God. Now, not every Christian is a servant of God. 
right? Not every Christian is what? A servant of God. Not every person who is born again is a servant of God. Also, not every Christian belongs to God. Now, I'm not talking about spirit. I'm talking about soul. Everything we're talking about tonight is in the soul realm. We've talked a lot about the spirit and all of that and try to bring um, clarity and separation between the soul and the spirit. And there will still be more clarity in that, in that area. We don't know everything about it yet um, because the light to interpret who the spirit man is is not enough to interpret the spirit man with the light of Christ. The, the, when the perfect light comes, you see that perfect light is what will really tell us what the spirit of man really is. And that perfect light is what will bring that separation. The Bible says that the word of God is quick and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of, you see, soul and spirit. Praise God. So it's actually the word of God that can bring the right division of soul. You wonder why is it so important to divide soul and spirit? You find out it's very important because a lot of the error in, in doctrine that we have had in the body is the blindness concerning the division of soul and spirit. And the entire word of righteousness, the, the, the key, the light bulb, to understand the word of righteousness has to do with measure of division of soul and spirit. The moment soul and spirit begins to get divided, it takes a, it, it takes a particular kind of word to begin to bring division of soul and spirit. The, the milk of the word cannot bring any kind of division between soul and spirit. In fact, in the language of the milk, soul and spirit are used interchangeably a lot of times. Do you agree with that? <laughs> if you read that the Higgins books, you'll see that too. You'll see that. It's just that, it's because, it's not that he was wrong. It's just that in the, in the dispensation of the milk of the world, it is permitted to do that, to have that kind of division. you see the same kind of thing in the Old Testament. When you read the Old Testament, sometimes when you see the word spirit in the Old Testament, they are referring to soul. <laughs> right. And, it, and it's, it's allowed because the, the light that can divide those entities is not yet, I didn't hear, it's not yet present. So you find out that division of soul and spirit, the light of dividing soul and spirit doesn't come until it's time to do something about the soul. When it's not time yet to do something about this, the soul. It's not, there's no point in dividing, to, to now divide the soul and the word and the spirit. It's when it's time to grow the soul. The reason for the division is to see the soul well and then to define the soul, to grow it up, to raise it up. Praise God. So there are some of us who, who never saw that division at all until the word of righteousness began to come, right? It's the word of righteousness because you cannot, no one can understand the word of righteousness without some measure of division between the soul and the spirit. 
It's not possible because the, a lot of the, 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 the truth and the insight in the scripture applying to the soul when it comes to the word of righteousness, if you try to carry it into the spirit realm, the, 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 the person of the spirit man, it might not apply in that kind of way. You might be making errors if you try to apply it. But when you come to the milk level, when you come to the, if you are teaching milk and you are teaching somebody in the level of milk, praise God, and then you, you, are, you don't bring division to soul and spirit, you can still do the purpose of the milk of the word. Because the, the milk of the word, when it comes to the milk of the word, the ministry of the milk of the word, is just how can you give the Holy Spirit as an inheritance to a soul? That's the purpose of the milk of the word, to make a soul receive the Holy Spirit as an inheritance. Now, when you want to make a soul receive the Holy Spirit as an inheritance, the soul doesn't need to know, have knowledge about the other persons. Right? The other, when I say the other persons, I mean the other persons of God. The soul doesn't need to have knowledge of them. But it's in the other persons of God, that's where the knowledge to actually change the soul is hid in those other persons of God. Do you understand that? So it's very clear that when you begin to learn the other persons, you must now begin to shed a very big light upon the soul and be able to create the division between the soul and the spirit to a degree. To a, to a degree, word of righteousness can do that. And by God's grace, you, I'm sure many of us have begun to have some sight concerning that one of the signs of growth is when you can begin to almost, I want to use the word feel, but I don't have, okay, not, not the one, let me, use, let me not use feel, let me use perceive, perceive, perceive. When you can begin to perceive your spirit as a separate entity from your soul, that's a sign that you are growing. A, a baby Christian cannot perceive their spirit as a separate entity from their soul. They can't tell when ah is it is it the soul was when where is this thing coming from is it from my heart is it from my spirit man is it from my soul you they can't perceive that thing so it's just model it up and call it just spirit <laughs> oh I just feel in my spirit <laughs> praise God I just felt in my spirit about something I just felt in my spirit and it's okay to do that praise God it's okay to to. In the, in the era, the dispensation of the milk of the word, that's allowed in the dispensation of what? Of the milk of the word. Because, why? Because when you're in the milk of the word, God, the Lord, the, according to the program, they don't want you to be, as much as possible, if they can, just allow, allow freeze up your soul and just leave it in a place. Let it not be touched. If they can do that, they will do it. In fact, one of the reasons for the spirit, the inheritance of the spirit in the milk of the world is to create an insulation around the soul. Right? Because, because of the, the soul, without that insulation of the spirit, 
will be just be open wide, right? To what? To the world. To all the spirits in the world, which is the problem with an unbeliever. An unbeliever's soul is degenerating, and there is no single defense around the soul of an unbeliever to slow down the, the, the rate of change, the rate of degeneration that's occurring in their soul. So when someone gets born again, they just begin that first, first of all, very quickly. Amen. That washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost, praise God. And they want to quickly seal the soul. Say seal. Seal. You know, every seal, the word actual seal in the Bible means remedy against, remedy against death and destruction. Remedy against death or remedy against perishing. Or another word for seal is a kind of salvation. Seal means what? A kind of salvation. Seal is a kind of salvation. So the word seal means that which makes you safe from something. At a, deg- at a degree, every seal is some measure of safety. At every point, it ministers some safety to the soul. So even so, you mean the Holy Spirit and the make of the world is some level of safety. Now, it is not salvation to the uttermost or to the uttermost. It's not being saved because a soul who just have the inheritance of the Holy Spirit in them is still in danger to many things. But they have at least some level of insulation. Are you getting what I'm saying? And another, another way to put it is, when someone gets get born again, they have everybody who is born again has some measure of Holy Spirit. Nobody can be born again without some measure of the Spirit. You can't, nobody can be born again without some what? Some measure. There's always a little spillover. There's a spillover. As long as if so, any soul that has not been destroyed, if you wake their spirit up, there will still be a way the spirit can have some spillover into the soul. So every soul that is born again has measure of the spirit. Everybody, even the person who does not speak in tongues, when they get born again. You see some, of some, some people, after they get born again, it took some time before they could get baptized in the spirit and they begin to speak in tongues. Now that person who is, who is slow to do that, the whole time where they were not speaking in tongues is not because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. It's just that they, hadn't, they had never experienced fullness of the Spirit. But they had the Spirit. Nobody is born again without the measure of the Spirit. They have something, a little bit of it. Praise the Lord. But then what the Lord wants to do is to, is to create some degree of inheritance. Inheritance means ownership. God wants the soul to first of all own the spirit. The Holy Spirit is the first thing that a Christian should will own. Apart from your house and your car and your things you bought with your money. <laughs> Do you agree with me? You know, we are too conscious about ownership of our body owning things. We're not conscious of what our soul owns. Right? You know, the purpose of the gospel is to save us from wretchedness. The world sells wretchedness to us, right? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Men exchange their soul 
for things. What will it profit a man to gain the whole world and then lose his soul? So that's the transaction of the world, to take your soul, spoil the soul, remove things from the soul, and surround the soul with other things. Praise God. So there's a way, the way you know your head is now correct is when you start thinking in terms of what your soul can own. That's, you know, that's a way of thinking that. Some people don't think that way. You know, it's when someone who is, th- who is conscious of what their soul can own is what makes, is what position that person around the oracle of God. It's the concern concerning what the soul can have. If you're not interested in what in your soul owning things, you can get born again, but you won't be, you won't be, you won't come around the the way God has designed to provide for things for the soul. It means that there are things that God wants to give you more than natural provision. Thank God for natural provision. How many of you don't like natural provision? Whenever God blesses you with something, you hate, you hate it. You're like, God, why I don't need this? Why are you giving me money? Praise God. Say, God, I don't need this unrighteous mammon. You know it's unrighteous. Your son called it unrighteous mammon. Why, you, why do you keep blessing me with it? Whenever you see your paycheck every two weeks or something, you say, God, God, why this thing? I don't need this thing. Why you say, Amen. Give me you. <laughs> Everything else can wait. Praise God. So I'm not talking about you not liking things. I'm just saying that there's more God wants to give to a person than just natural provision and all of those things. Praise God. That there's a way you begin to get conscious about, don't just leave your soul alone, that your soul can also come into things. So I said the first thing that the soul owns is what? The spirit. And that is the first camping ground of inheritance for Christians. And the church has been around that ground for a long time, for centuries, right? Centuries and centuries, I mean, generally on a large scale, mainstream body of Christ has been around that, the ground of ownership of the spirit. Owning, and people have owned the spirit at different degrees and different layers and different levels. But the spirit is just the first thing it's just the first thing. You know what we've tasted about God, generally? That's not all about God. You know, but sometimes it's hard to convince his soul that there's actually more to God than having the Holy Spirit. Do you know it's hard to convince? That's the sometimes, that's souls who fight this knowledge, going deeper in knowledge, is because they have the Holy Spirit. They've enjoyed the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, has, he talks to them, he has given them things, when they pray, he answers, he leads them, he talks. You know, everything the Holy Spirit does to a, a, a person. The, the Holy Ghost is called a comforter, right? Jesus speaks about him, another comforter. Amen. But I love how Jesus said another. means that he's another. means we are, there are different comforts. And the Spirit is just another one. This is the one you will start with first. But even myself, I'm still a comforter. That's John chapter 14. Then after a while, after he spoke about the comfort, of the Holy Spirit, then he now said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Go and read that John. John, that the whole of John chapter 14 is just talking about the comings. Go and read it. It's about the comings, how they will come. After a while, I say, if you love me, then I will. 
I will love him. He said, I will manifest myself to you. Then later at the end, he said, I will come to you. I am my father. My father will love you also. And then we will come and make our abode. Are you seeing levels? He first started with the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? So there are different comforts. 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 Say comforts. God wants to be comforting you until you. You then another place the Bible spoke about him. They call him the God of all comforts. Have you read that before? So it means the culmination of comfort is when a soul receives their God. Now, can you check your soul? Is there way you can see? Can you see that your soul is a vessel designed to receive God? Not just Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the beginning of receiving things. God, he had placed eternity in our heart. There's a, a space in the heart as big as eternity, waiting for the eternal one to fill. That's why anything you throw in there can never satisfy it. Put the whole world inside the soul. The world will say, the soul will wake up the next day and say, I'm hungry. Please, can you give me something? Say, no, but I just gave you the whole world. He said, which world? There's nothing. You didn't give me anything. Because there's just one being who is meant to satisfy the soul. The eternal, the immortal. King, the invisible, God. You know what I mean? So, any soul who hasn't yet received that God, that comfort, when you check the soul and check it, whether the person has passed away from this life to the next life, when you check the soul, check they will say, I'm still hungry for something. There's still something that I need to be filled with. Praise God. So, what can't we, aren't you glad that heaven is now saying they want to do something about that for you? They want to, they want to bring in to bring comfort Comfort, comfort, say comfort. Comfort, comfort to our soul. Praise God. Amen. So, so the first ownership is the spirit, right? So, and then the seal. It's the seal us with the Holy Spirit of promise, according to Ephesians chapter 1. That Holy Spirit is the spirit of promise, which is a seal, which the Holy Ghost will seal a person with. Praise God. Then after that, a person needs to come into another seal, which is the seal of Christ, right? Or the seal of, of a new creature. A new creature, the seal of a new creature. When the soul becomes a new creature, do you agree with that? That the seal of a new creature, the seal of Christ is the seal of a new creature. The seal of a new creature means that the soul has become a new creation. So at that point, they say, so the new creation is also some degree of safety as well. It's also a kind of salvation. It's a kind of salvation, a kind of safety that if a soul is, has become Christ in their nature, there are things that that soul is safe from. Praise God. That soul has become safe from, from some things. That's the meaning of his soul being sealed. And that soul who has become Christ is a person who God now has as his own. Praise the Lord. Do you agree with me? That person is who God now has as his own, Right? The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, that all, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let them that name the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So, them, say them that are his. Them that are his. 
them that are his, when you're talking about the soul, does not include so people who are born again and are full of the Holy Ghost. Okay, I, I love that shaking of hell. Okay, can you tell me why? What's that shaking? Is that... Um, huh? What? Trying to grasp it. Okay. Did you grasp it? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not picking. I'm just trying to. You know, I like when you shake your head like that. It means something is. You know, sometimes when you pour something, you have to shake it to enter as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it means that something is entering. You're just shaking it so it can enter well. Praise God. Am I correct? Is that what's going on? Okay. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Oh, all right, so you want me to expand, to, to talk more about it? Praise God. So, so it means that the, so somebody who, who is, who is, now, all the kingdoms of this world, book of Revelation, have become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. So that Christ, and now wait, what for Christ? Is Christ is the man of God, or the godly man, right? So the Christ actually is the first mark of ownership on his soul. The first mark of ownership on what? On his soul. Now, when we're saying ownership, we're talking about ownership in real sense, not in, not in a, not in a legal sense, not in a, not in a legal sense, in a real sense. When I say real, I mean an effective sense. Right? So the truth is that who owns the thing really? So it's saying that says that possession is is it ninety percent of the law something like that. Those of you who are, who are in legal fields, let me not go into let me not use that route because I don't understand that. <laughs> Praise God. Um, so the real who really owns something effectively, effectively is who is using it. Do you, do you do you understand what I mean? Who really owns it is who is using it. So God, God doesn't really own his soul who he can, that he cannot use. Or in other words, they say, God, this soul is your own. When they check in the spirit, where the identity sits, they check it in the, in the record, the title deed. Ah, it belongs to God. But when God comes to the soul, the soul is padlocked against him. The soul doesn't even have any kind of aptitude that can even do anything God wants to do. It's completely locked. But that soul is wide open. The devil has a master key to the soul. That he, once he just comes front door, not back door, he just unlocks it. He can enter there, do whatever he wants, sit down, sleep, watch TV, cook, whatever he wants to do. He's one with the soul. Now, question, who owns that soul? Hmm? And if God, this devil, enter, tries to knock on that, you know when Jesus said that, I knock, uh, I stand at the door. Who is, is the unbelievers is knocking at the, at the door of their heart? Their heart. It's not unbelievers. No, we use that word to preach evangelism. 
that is just Jesus is standing, he's just knocking at your door. He's knocking at the door of the heart. No, no. When you are in crusade ground, crusade ground has nothing to do with men's hearts. A lot, so a lot of times they have to douse the heart, shut it down, make the heart foolish and sleep to make the soul go and get saved. Sometimes before they come back to their senses, they're already saved. <laughs> they didn't know what happened. So people have fell under the power of the anointing and they fell down and then woke up saved. <laughs> Drunkenness of the spirit. Just something in the heart that just appeared in the heart and caused believing and agreement with lordship. It caused their spirit to arise. It didn't have anything to do with their will, their judgment, and all of that. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? But if that person was just, don't bring Holy Ghost around, just leave that person with his right mind. And then let the, the Lord Jesus, with all his glory, come and talk to that soul and say, okay, you know what, I want to do things with you, I want to live this life. Would they give their life to Christ? When their head is correct. Nobody whose head is correct can give his life to Christ. Once your head is just correct, in your right mind, an unbeliever in his right mind can never give his life to Christ. Never. It's not possible. It's not possible. They must do something. To, you must not be in your mind, in your right mind. Why? Because that mind is an enemy. The carnal mind is an enemy. He said the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. Neither can it be. It cannot be subject to God's law. Do you understand that? Yeah. So, now when we're talking about this ownership, right? Ownership. Say ownership. ownership. We're not talking about, we're not saying when you check, when you go and look at the record of the paper of the house, whose name is on it, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about who is living in the house. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Who is what? Who is living, who is living in the house? Huh? Right now in heaven, if you, if you can open your eye to see how heaven is, heaven is full of many houses that God cannot live inside. Souls, people who died, they were Christians and they've gone. They're not in hell, they're in heaven. But in their soul, they never, while they were living on the earth, they never changed their soul to be a conducive place for God to live. Just did their life here and went up like that. So because of that, that thing Jesus said that where I am, there you might be also wasn't fulfilled to them. God cannot do when God is flowing, they can't flow with him because of the way. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So that is not real ownership. Real ownership, when God really owns a person, is when this is the way they put it. Amen. Now, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. It said you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Right? By the Holy Spirit you've been sealed until the day of redemption. Is the Holy Spirit of promise. What was the promise? Promise. Promise means what is promised to the soul. Did you get now? The, the beginning of promise, what is in promise to the soul... The soul's promise 
Praise God. The promise are three kinds of promises that are given to the soul. Let's see the promises in first in Second Corinthians chapter six. Second Corinthians chapter six. Praise God. If you are there, say amen. amen. Now chapter seven now says, having therefore these promises, dearly, be, dearly beloved, that's chapter seven verse one, right? Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's second Corinthians chapter seven verse one. So that's having therefore these promises. Which promises? You have to go back to, the, to chapter six to see what the promises are. Praise God. So let us see from verse 14. It says, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, But be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship had righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion had light with darkness? Praise God. And what concord had Christ with Belial? Or what part has he that believeth with an infidel? Now verse 16, what agreement had the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God had said, now when it says said, as God has said, the word said is the promises. Right? As God has said. So this, where God begins to say, praise God, this, what God is saying Ah, uh, what they are now speaking of in chapter 7, verse 1, as uh, these promises. You get what I'm saying? So what God has said is, this is the, uh, the real saying of God. This is the real promise of God. Is I will dwell in them and then walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. That's the real promise. That's actually the promise that God has promised us. I will dwell in them, I will walk in them, I will be their God, and they shall what? Be my people. Do you see that? It's not that they will get born again. It's not that they will get born again. So when I say God is using, using a soul, this is what I'm talking about. Dwell in them, walk in them, be their God, and they shall be my people. This is the promise. Now, Praise God. <laughs> now, to achieve this actual promise, wherefore, verse 17, wherefore means, so because of this, means there are some other things that must happen before this actual promise can happen. Right? Wherefore, because of this promise, wherefore, you must come out from among them and be separate. That's the first thing. Say it, the Lord. Are you seeing that? Come out from among them and be separate, say it, the Lord. So it's very clear that this one is actually the first saying of God, of the Lord. Right? It's actually the first. It's not this one cast comes before the one we read before. The one we read is the ultimate promise, what God wants to do. But this one is wherefore. For to do that, in order to come, make you come into this promise, 
I must then promise you some other things that can bring you to this ultimate promise. So wherefore, you must first come out from among them and be separate. This is what you call separation. This separation is the first accomplishment in Christ. Praise God. You must be separate, say the Lord. Then after that, touch not the unclean thing. Then when you touch not the unclean thing, and then I will be, be what? I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, say the Lord Almighty. Do you see that? So that's the second say it. So you mean that the, the, first, the main promise, which is the first say it we read, is the real promise. Then wherefore, because of that, he gave two other promises. The first one is you must become separate. That's the first promise. Then after that, you must then learn how not to touch the unclean thing, and I will receive you. When you are separated, they've not taught you about cleanliness yet. They just separated you with your uncleanness still intact. You are just separated. That's the first beginning of Christ, is to make his soul separate. Somebody who is a Christian born again, who has the Holy Spirit, is not separate. Just having the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Ghost, can never make you separate. Only knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of something else. A separate thing. Another kind of thing. Another kind of life. Only the knowledge of another kind of life can make you so separate. To separate you. See, separate. Separate Separate means you measure distance. Measure distance from from things. Make you separate. That's the first beginning of the knowledge of Christ. Do you agree with that? So it will make you separate. That's the first promise. Then, after that promise is the next promise. So, now... In these promises, you see the beings who are, who are saying, it's God who is saying, but it's God in different levels. Do you agree with that? It's actually God in what? God in different levels. Now, we know for, for sure that the God in diverse, in sundry time and in diverse manner, spoken to the fathers by the prophet, but he has, in this last day, spoken unto us by his son. So it means that when you are relating with the Son of God, you can hear sayings at different levels. They are different. The Son of God to us is actually inside him at, at different levels of sayings. That, see all those oracles? It's actually the, the Son is actually there. It's the embodiment of the oracles. It's the oracles actually flowing out of him. That's his high priestly stature. It's oraculous. The high priest is an oracle of God. Praise God. So he is actually... So inside the, that high priest called Jesus, in Jesus, when Jesus is talking to his soul, he can talk to the soul with different offices and different, from different levels of inheritance according to what the soul needs to hear, he can talk to the soul. So you find out that when it comes to God, God actually, what God really wants for his soul is to relate with his soul as their God. That's it. Check these things. Check these things. Okay, if you want to go back to that, Isaiah, we're fleeing from Isaiah chapter 43, remember? Remember, when we read those verses, it resolved somewhere. What was the purpose of being new? Let's read that. Let's read that quickly. Isaiah 43. 
Now, this is the Bible's scripture mind, right? You know, it's not easy to baptize the soul into, to settle in the scripture. You know, the scripture is the unveiling of the mind of God, how God is, God's plans, God's intent. So if you find, if you pass through different routes, there are different scriptural routes that someone can pass to locate the, the secret hidden dream of God for men. There are different scriptural doctrinal routes by revelation one can take. You'll find that at the end of it, that is always about God having people for himself. A people, a people, a people. Amen. Let's see that. In this Isaiah chapter 43, very quickly. Amen. We're reading from, okay, remember not the former things, verse 18. Neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field shall honor me the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. These people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my word, my praise. So these people have I word formed for my, for what? my for myself. Amen. So that word, a people, a people unto God, is actually a people who God can, who God can fully, we saw it through the concept of vessel. Yes, so, so when a soul becomes what? A fully, a, a vessel that God can put his own wine. That's actually the a soul that has become God's own people. The God's own people are people who, who can receive God. Fully. And who cannot just only receive him, they receive him, they can flow with him. Now flowing with him means him dwelling in them. Said, I will what? Dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. That's Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. As God had said, I will dwell in them. And walk in them and be their God, and they shall be what? And they shall be my people. Amen. That's the end goal. You saw it in chapter 21 of Revelation. And behold, it was said, the tabernacle of God. So that was the end product of newness. When he made it, behold, I make all things new. Later, I now said, the tabernacle of God. We now saw that these people were coming out of heaven from God. Are you seeing that dwelling with God? Praise the Lord. So, so that's the end promise, but to get to that promise, so like I said, the Lord, his, God speaks in Jesus. And in Jesus, there are different levels of the oracle of speaking. So Jesus does not first, when he, say, when he begins to speak to you, when he begins to speak to you, say Jesus. Jesus. When Jesus himself begins to speak to a person, Jesus does not just begin to speak to a person the first time you get born again. No, 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 no. The first thing Jesus will do, Jesus must first baptize you with the Holy Spirit. If you are not baptized with the Holy Spirit, Jesus cannot speak to you. That baptism, he is the one ministering the baptism. Jesus is the baptizer. 
John said it. Right? I baptize with water. I indeed baptize with water. But there cometh one after me who will baptize with both the Holy Ghost and with fire. So Jesus is the baptizer. God is not the baptizer. Jesus is the baptizer. He said the Holy Ghost, which the Father will send in my name, is actually in my name. Without him, there's no Holy Ghost. Is that Jesus, when it was time for them to get baptized, he gave them instruction, go and stay in the upper room and wait until you are endured. And then the Holy Ghost came. He was the one who was the one who, who prayed down the Spirit and who uses the Spirit to baptize his soul. It's, Jesus. it's the same ministry, the ministry of Jesus, because he knows he cannot speak to his soul without the Spirit. It's what he wants to say. In John chapter 16, he said, was talking to them. I have many things to say unto you. You cannot bear them now. But how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into what? All truth. He will not speak of himself. But what he hear, that's what he will say. For he will then take of what is mine and reveal them and show them unto you. He will take of what is mine. So the spirit is who fetches of what Jesus has. Everything he wants to say that he cannot say because he can't bear them. So the spirit, when you have the spirit, he can, the Holy Ghost can now fetch what I want to say. Are you getting what I'm I'm saying? And he will now begin to bring those things to you and say them to you. So it's all the ministry of Jesus. Jesus is the only one who should be ministering to the church. That's what God, God raised him a minister, talker. Anything concerning God, what God wants to do. See these promises? Jesus is the actualizer of promise. He has this job, but that's what God has raised him to do. God raised somebody who, that when he finishes, that merciful and faithful, I described faithfulness the other time. That faithfulness means he who will get the job done. He's faithful. And he said faithfulness includes competence. He has the ability to do it. So God is Jesus is who God set loose and said, go and do all my promises. Bring them to pass concerning men. That's who Jesus is. Yeshua. Yeshua means the Lord saves. The Lord our salvation. Anything pertaining to salvation is his name. The name Jesus means savior. How to save. To bring salvation. See that impossible work of saving. Make it, how can it come to pass? Jesus was framed. He's framed as a savior. You understand what I mean? That's who Jesus is. So Jesus, so the, the method of saving, first baptize with the Spirit. Give the soul spirit as an inheritance. Then when the Spirit has a, the soul has a spirit as an inheritance, it's become full and receive the seal of the Spirit. Then the soul now comes into a season of being spoken to by Jesus. Do you get what I'm trying to say? <laughs> so now in the season of being spoken to, by Jesus. You now find that inside Jesus, there are different oracles that are talking. The different dimension of the oracles. And each oracle has to do with different calibration of the person of God. Is, is God condensed to relate with man at different capacities? Now, the way God wants to relate with man, the, the graduation of God's dealing with men, there are actually two dealings. Say dealings. Dealings. dealings with God Himself. 
Milk is not really dealings with God. Milk is preparation for dealings. Now, when the soul has been prepared by the milk of the word, because to deal with God, you must be standing upon the seal of the spirit to have dealings with God. Now, when the soul is now ready to deal with God, you now begin to see that God has two main kind of operation with men that he wants to have. First, he must relate with man as a Lord before he can relate with man as, his, as their God. Praise God. He must first relate with man as what? As a Lord. Before he can relate with man as what? As God. So the ultimate relationship God wants to have with man is what? He wants to be their God. I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. And then I will do what? Be their God and they shall be my people. Am I making some sense to you? Praise God. Are you interested in this? Are you sure? Okay. I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God. This is all him as God. Be dwelling in them as God. Walking in them as God. And then being their God. (laughs) So there is the dwelling God, the walking God. And then the God who is their God. Now the point where he bees their God is when they have become his people. The reason why he will dwell in them and walk in them is so that they can really become into full peoplehood. So in the picture in the end should be a God and his people. That's how it should finish. The story at the end. Before they say the end, it should be... You, it's, just, it's a picture of a God and his people walking. That's it. If that picture can't emerge, the end cannot come. Who's a, a God and his people? That's all God is looking for. This whole time, that's all he's looking for. But men are saying, no, no, no. I don't want to be your people. Just bless me with this. Do this. God said, no. I need a people. Are you getting what I'm saying? A God. Ah, shouldn't God have his people? Don't you think God deserves that kind of thing. But thank God we know the end of the prophecy is going to occur. The the only question is that will you be among the people? You saw how that that chapter 7 we're we're reading was, how it read. Means you know that not everybody will be that people. See, out of each tribe they sealed what? 12,000. 12,000. See, what about the rest? 12,000. So if they see 12,000, it means the rest were not servants of the word of God. They are not servants of God. Who he sealed are people who we call the servants of God. Now, that 12,000 is the book of Revelation. Everything there is metaphorical, okay? I'm not saying that there are only 12,000. Huh? What? I'm not saying, what did you say? Huh? That's a lot of people, right? <laughs> oh, oh, you mean the cloud can get full? So we have to quickly ascend into, into that place. You guys, you've heard it. Now, let me tell you what that thing means. That means that 12,000 is telling you that. It doesn't mean that there are just 12,000. I mean, one, two, three, two, 12,000. And that's all. No. 
But what he's telling you is that there is actually a number. What that means is that it's not going to be everybody. Yeah. So there, you see, people will, will fall into that, can fall into the tri- tri- tribes in the spirit, but not fall into the number. There's falling into the tribe and then falling into the number. So it's not everybody who is in the tribe that is a servant of God. It's those who have served God, praise the Lord, who they, they, can, they will seal with that seal. Praise the Lord. Do you see that? So I was saying that, so God really wants to relate with people as God, but God can never be the God to every a soul without ever being a Lord. See, when you see a soul, say, my God is a lie. Yeah. Yes. When you say just the average person, what, what you should be saying more is, you know, oh, amen. amen. Instead of saying the God of our, my Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> like Paul prayed, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't, check the Old Testament. Hmm? God wasn't just a God to, have, to anybody. When, when they want to talk, you say, the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when God was introducing himself, so I am the God of Abraham, the God, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Don't, I don't know too many other people. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? You get what I mean? So many people who call, my God, my God, is not their God. Do you know what that, that word, a God, to a person means? If God is not walking in you, number one, it's not your God. Forget about it. It's not your God. It's not your God. The word to a God to a person means something. It means something. Someone that you can tell, leave me alone, I'm not, I'm not in the mood right now. He's not your God. He's not your God. It, People don't relate with their God that way. He's not your God. The God, when he's, he's, he's talking, you can't even hear. How is he your God? You're already you're in your own world doing your own thing, and he's in his own place. He's not your God. Sorry, it's not an insult. I'm not insulting. I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm just trying to be truthful to you. Because have, let's start from the truth. Let's, let's be true. The whole journey of Israel was, was God trying to make them his people. He was, he's trying to be their God. That was, this, that was his main struggle with them. The word Israel means the people. doesn't actually, you know we, say, we said the word Israel means the people of God. It's actually not true. As if you want to just talk about it, you know, talk about them prophetically. They are supposed to be the people of God, but no. Actually, the literal meaning, when God changed the name of Jacob from Jacob to Israel, the word Israel is those who wrestle with God. That's the word Israel means those who wrestle with God. It means that those Israelites, they are a nation that was supposed to wrestle to come into God, being their God. To receive the promise. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? 
Aha. So it's not everybody that God is a God. God being someone's God is a promise. I'm born again, God is my God. No, he's not your God. But so, first of all, God has to first try to be your Lord first. But Lordship starts in Christ. Right? Lordship starts what? In Christ. Lordship. You see, say Lordship. Lordship. So, what is Lordship? Lordship is a kind of a manifestation of, of God. Praise God. To a person to train them and prepare them to receive him as their God. So the word Lord means owner or master. Owner, master. The word Lord means trainer. The Lord, word Lord means a preparer. Somebody who is doing a work. That's the word Lordship. Lordship is an active kind of word. It means that he's do, doing something. He's training you. Is it, when the Lord is a Lord to you, it's de- development. So to understand the, the nature, when you sp- speak about that, this thing called Lordship, right? you have to understand the, what the Bible calls the Spirit of the Lord, for example, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 11. They shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch will grow out of the root. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of the Lord rests. So that spirit of the Lord, then I began to describe it, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, spirit of counsel and mind, knowledge, and then the fear of the Lord. That's the, the culminating, when, you, when you, 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 you grow up into the fear of the Lord. They will make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. Praise God. So it means that lordship is a developmental relationship. The Lord is my shepherd. Yay. They will not say God is my shepherd. Oh, yeah. Even though God is shepherding, but those who have God as their shepherd, <laughs> praise God. Amen. Now, the real shepherd of the soul is the Lord. Amen. The real word, shepherd of what? Of the soul is the Lord. Praise God. So that the Lord is my shepherd. And I saw his operation to feed you and to lead you. Lead me beside the still waters. Make me lay down in green pasture. He restored my soul. The Lord is the restorer of the soul. Right? The one who, who set the table before you, the friends of your enemies. He want to anoint your oil so that your cup can run over. Amen. So the Lord, when you begin to, the purpose of Christ Christ is the, is, the give, is the dealing of lordship. Yes, sir. To make, when you want to make a soul, any soul who hasn't come into the school of Christ doesn't yet have a lord. They have a lord, but the lord is not Christ and God. They've not come under the lordship of God. Any soul who hasn't come into the school of Christ will be, will be lorded by somebody else. Yes, now discover that Satan himself, he is a god. He's the god of this world, and he also leads men. In fact, he's the one who has been leading the souls. So one can get born again. So say, you got born again. Okay, nice. We have things to do. Come, let's go. <laughs> you can't, things don't change. Service doesn't change too much. Things didn't change. In terms of normal service can resume in the soul. What the soul normally does, the soul can continue to do it. 
after getting born again. It's just that when the person begins to get feeling of the Spirit, then some insulation. It means that when the person is filled with the Spirit, the purpose of being filled with the Spirit is, is some, to make you, give you some kind of intoxication so you can be having a break from just constantly doing the bidding of the devil. Do you understand what I mean? Hmm? It's like you're supposed to go and do a job with somebody and you came to the person and you saw the person flat out drunk on the ground. Something you can do, you have to sit down and wait. Maybe watch TV or something. Then maybe give, till they wake up, then you give them coffee, make them sober again. If they want, maybe they can sleep and then let their eyes be clear before they can go and do something. So the, the purpose of the Holy Ghost is just to make you a bit useless to Satan, but through an artificial means. So you will not find that Christians, a lot of time when they are not intoxicated, they misbehave a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so Holy Ghost is just like a drug. Hey, come and take this, your drug. <laughs> Quickly, before you start misbehaving. <laughs> That's why I love that drug. So that drug is what the Brad Brother is enjoying. Amen. Hey, do you want to come and talk to us about that drug a little bit? How, how, does, it, how does it feel? <laughs> So when you see him reacting that way, you don't know why. You, you, don't know, you don't know what they are trying to wrap it around his soul. You don't know what they are trying to do to him. There are spirits who are angry right now. They've been waiting. Ah, ah, what is this? What is all this? Why are you stopping our flow? <laughs> and I love Holy Spirit. I love Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost can spoil it. There was plan any day, any time. That's why, that's why it's, you can never trust a soul. And the devil knows that. Especially when, when, even though when they get born again, the devil can still be using them, but he knows he cannot trust them. So when, when you see a soul that has not grown, but has Holy Ghost, it's an unstable soul. It's both unstable to God and to the devil. Praise God. Yeah. You cannot be doing what the devil wants now. Headlong, doing what the devil wants. What will happen? Just a song will just drop into the heart. What will happen? Yeah. Trouble has come. Yeah. Just because he sang a song, what happened? Break down, weeping, stop. So sometimes when the soul falls out of intoxication, Satan will quickly use it to do things. That's why a Christian cannot stay there. That's not how you should be because you are still useless to God. You can be, do God's bidding today, do the devil's bidding because that thing is not, you don't have, you're not a, a you're not, God doesn't own you in your nature. He just put spirit on you just to help you to be breaking the flow of your response to, to the devil. But God's goal is not for you to it's not for that kind of drunkenness alone. It's not for that kind of drunkenness alone. That's not God's goal. God doesn't want to, anytime to, you'll be useful a little to him, is when you must take so much uh, intoxication to douse your judgment. 
wine to dull of the spirit. That's what the wine will do, dulls your judgment, right? Then you will now be able to, the Holy Ghost can now make you do some things. But that's not how God wants it. God wants it that your intoxication should be a writing in your heart. What do you want to mean by that? So, instead of the Holy Ghost just filling you and intoxicating you and making you act outside your normal judgment, rather they want to take that spirit and use him as an ink inside your heart and let him sit in you as handwriting of judgment. That, 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 when you are like that, when you are awake, morning, night, day, sunshine, moon, when you check your heart, when you, when you judge, you are always judging in alignment with God. So it means, so it means what, so, so such a soul, that's what they call, when you say ministry of the Spirit, it's not filling with the Holy Ghost. No. You can fill with the Holy Spirit, but you've not ministered the Spirit. New Testament is to minister. What does it mean? That Holy Ghost that the, you know, that Holy Ghost can fetch things. He said it will take of what is mine and it will declare them to you. So instead of just you being intoxicated, they want to write spirit in your heart. Are you seeing what I'm talking about? So the process of beginning to write spirit in someone's heart to change their judgment that someone can have clear eyes, but his clear eye is acting out drunkenness with clear eyes. That is what God is looking for. God wants souls who can act drunk like him. God is drunk with his laws, his judgment. When you see God moving, you say, what kind of mad thing is this? It's not him that he, where are the wise, where are the prudent, where are the strong? Has he not confounded the what? Maybe that's not true wisdom should men know him, but through the foolishness of preaching, right? He uses the foolish things to, of this world to confound the wise. That means that when God is operating, men see foolishness all the time, all the time. Because of God's intoxication, the intoxication of his judgment. So the, the, the lordship of the New Testament is to baptize soul into that judgment. That they will have clear eyes, but their eyes are clear in his spirit. They see. Are you getting what I'm saying? Their eye has been replaced with a different eye. Amen. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Oh, yeah, are you sure? Thank you. Yes.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Come on, Alaska. Thank you. Come on, Thank you. Yes, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Shamara Toskadias. Alla Pratadia Sapatani Makatani Agados, a Papa Baba Shatani Agadosta, a Libra Gados, a Papa Tania Vemesitani Agadosi, Papa Liotte Padia Nata, a Liga Tamana Catania Bragatani Agatabados, a Padia Dosta, a Libra Gados, a Papa Papa Licatelia Bababanata Valia Santo Brentelita, Evrazzo Sosso. Palia Catalia da Bosta, Elibran Tevenamosi Catelio Sopate Telia Macatalia, Elibre Gato Venita, Elibre Gato Beganata. For I have come to rewrite laws. I have come to rewrite laws on art. On your tablets of your heart, I am writing new laws. 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 I am even writing laws that have come to stay laws that have come to stay i am writing laws i am writing my laws my own laws the laws that made me up the laws that the father wrote in me i have come to write in you i am writing my 
laws. I am writing my laws upon your heart, in your heart. I am writing my laws that you would own them. You would own them. You would own them. You would own them. I have come to write my laws. I have come to write my laws. For the spirit within you is the writer of my laws. That as I speak my laws, he is writing and inscribing them on your heart. Though they may be painful, they may go through terrains, through terrains, through terrains. For to erase laws that my laws may be inscribed on your heart. But yet it will not tarry. It will be written on your heart. It will be written on your heart. For you will become like me. This is how you look like me. And those who have the laws in their heart are those that I know. Those are the ones that I know. Those who allow my laws to be written upon their hearts are those that are known of me and that I know. Those are the ones who their hearts are, have been tender towards me. And as I write on you, you look like me. As I write on you, you look like me. For that which was written in me is that which I am writing in you. It is the same that I wrote in Paul that I am writing in you. The same that I wrote in Paul is that which I am writing in you. For it is in the father that has sent me for to come to write in you and I am writing there are levels of laws there are levels in me there are patterns in me there are those in me that has been written in me of the father I have come to write in you I have come to inscribe in your heart I have come to inscribe in your heart that you own them that you come into ownership of them that you come into ownership of them for as you own them I am owning you for as you own those laws, I am owning you. For without those laws, I know you not. Without the laws that are in me, I see you not. Without the things in me, if I don't see them in you, I can't know you. For those, how I know you is by writing my laws in you. I have come to write laws in your heart. I have come to put me in you by writing my laws and my judgment yes. in your heart. I have come to put my will in you. Yes. I have come to put my will in you. Yes. For you are singing my face that you be no more. Yes. You are singing my face that you be no more and all that I will see is me. I am putting my judgment in you. I am putting my laws in you. I am putting my life in you for I have life to give. I have so much life to give. Open your heart and let me write upon your heart, says the Spirit of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. The when the, the Lord wrote on Paul, after he finished writing on him, Amen. They told him that much much learning had made you mad. Say that that was beside yourself. Means that you have this person is not Paul. This is somebody else. They thought it was learning. They could, they what they thought it was just learning, but it wasn't just ordinary learning. It was learning of the spirit that brought another reacting out of another person, another personality. Praise the Lord. Amen. So you see the lordship. Lordship, the purpose of lordship is to, is to take the spirit 
that they put around the soul, you will now make that spirit a writer. Make that turn just, apart from just spirit, you know, the soul will always have, always have the spirit, upon the spirit upon. In the Bible, it's what you call the spirit upon and the spirit within. There is the spirit upon, the spirit within. Praise God. Now, that spirit upon can, when he wants to now go inside, he won't just go by himself. Amen. Praise the Lord. There is a way the Holy Ghost resides within the, the heart when he wants to write to stay in the heart and to stay in the heart he will become laws right those laws are not just ordinary laws they are spiritual laws like the Bible referred to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus in Romans chapter 8 praise God now so you see the beginning of writing of laws in a soul is the dealing of lordship. The dealing of lordship. When God, God has to first be a lord to a person. Otherwise he cannot be a God to a person. He has to be a lord. But you see lordship now are in two. They are in lordship are in levels. There is what you call the lord. These are all different statues in Jesus. In Jesus as the speaker just can speak as the Lord. Then there's who you call the Lord Almighty. The Lord Almighty, there's the Lord. There's the Lord Almighty, the Lord. Then the Lord Almighty, you see that? The Lord and then the what? The Lord Almighty. The Lord Almighty, the Lord Almighty. Praise God. The Lord Almighty is a Lordship. There are different levels of Lordship. So, so each Lordship level, it's a level of training. And each training is tied to a particular kind of life. So the spirit of the Lord is teaches the life of Christ. Then the Lord Almighty teaches the almighty life, which is the ever, to has to do with everlasting life. That's what I'm saying. It's what the ever, everlasting life is what? It's the almighty almighty life. So there's, there's lordship of almighty and there's what you just, you just call the lordship. Amen. So the Lord says that if you separate, I will receive you. Amen. If so it means that there's a point of reception in Christ. There's a point of reception in Christ when I will receive you. I will receive you, being received at some point. So what is he receiving you into? He's receiving you into, to bring you into the school of making you touch not the unclean thing. Right? So somebody can be separated. Be, come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord. Amen. Be ye what? Separate, saith the Lord. Come out from among them, be ye separate. You're After you are now separate, then you now say, then touch not what? The unclean thing. Amen. And then I will what? Receive you. 
if, if, you've, if you touch not the unclean, what did the Lord say? Come out from among them, be ye separate. That's what the Lord said. Come out from among them, be ye separate. Now, when his soul has become separate, the reason why the Lord is saying, come out from among them, he's talking about where me I'm going to take you from to really come into the full, the, the real school of lordship. The real school of lordship is the school of the holy place. That's where the Lord really does his main job. So he brings you, separates his soul to then make them, teach them how not to touch the unclean thing. It's actually a teaching, the school of Christ. So Christ's school is to make his soul not to what, touch what, the unclean thing. Praise God. Now, he says that, wherefore, come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord. Then you see, come out there, verse 17. Touch not the unclean thing, and then I will receive you. So you see, if you've got to a point where you no longer touch the unclean things, that are, when his soul no longer touches the unclean things, that is a Christ, a full Christ. That's the soul that has the seal of Christ. Right? Everyone that named the name of Christ will then depart from iniquity. Praise God. Now, the seal of Christ has a seal. The description of the seal of Christ is that who? The Lord knoweth them that are what? His. Them that are His. Them that are His. Praise God. Now, that Lord that knows them that are his, it's very clear that Lord is God because that is talking about the foundation of God. So when you say the Lord sometimes in the Bible, they are, sometimes they are speaking about Christ in his office as the Lord. Sometimes they are then speaking about the fatherly office of lordship. Do you understand all these things? You must understand all these details if you don't understand this, all, all these details, you will not understand the, you will understand the, you won't be able to see the demarcations of the life. You won't be able to see the, in all these details, this really break down these things. They are actually principles of the life. The principle, why? Do you then, why does the Lord need to change? There's something about why the Lord needs to change. It has to do with the life, change of the, the curriculum of life, which the soul is under. The training that they will take a soul through to produce the nature of Christ is not the same training that they will take a soul through to produce everlasting life. When a soul begins to come under the season of receiving everlasting life. The lordship administration over the soul has to change. There's a way the soul will experience it. To be as if the soul is being handed over to another lord. And that lord has his own peculiarity. The standard, because he expects this individual should no longer be touching the unclean thing. There are things that they, there are commandments they talk to some, give to somebody who no longer touches the unclean thing. But someone who is separate but still touches unclean things, 
the commandment they will be talking to the person about has to do with how he should no longer touch the unclean thing. That is the kind of thing they are talking to him about. So there are different kinds of laws. You can't come to, talk to, come to someone who still touches unclean thing and talk to him as if he no longer touches the unclean thing. You can't talk to him. He can't, he won't be able to process that thing. That thing is a, is a holiness. It's a kind of a holiness. It's a configuration of a soul. That a soul that still touches the unclean thing means he still has interest in uncleanliness. Uncleanness still calls him and he can respond. There's still a pact somewhere with unclean things in his soul. That soul is in the school of Christ. You get what I'm saying? The fact that that soul still responds to uncleanness, then it means that their faculty is still absent within the soul. You know what I mean? That because of that thing, the response to uncleanness will make the soul not respond to everlasting life. It's like it's an it's like a, it's, it's almost like an it's an appetite within the soul. You have to kill it to make the soul be able to find another one. The appetite is an appetite for everlasting life. That everlasting life is the life of God. If a soul that hasn't come into that energy where they, they've lost the taste and the desire for unclean things and they want to force themselves to receive everlasting life, they won't find the, they won't find the, the, the taste buds, the appetite in their soul. And you cannot just muster up the appetite for everlasting life. You can sit down two people and teach about a, a message of everlasting life. One of them, it will, one of them, it means the whole world. To the other one, it means nothing. Two souls. It's what taste buds. To one, it's like, what are all these tedious things? Why are you separating life, everlasting life, Lord? You've come again, Lord, Lord Almighty. What are all these things? You want to, what, why? That's one soul. In another soul, he can see it. Ah, okay. This is the Lord Almighty. Ah, that's the conversation. We can talk about fatherhood. Open the conversation of fatherhood. What do you mean? Because the Lord, the Lord Almighty is the Father. You begin to talk about the conversation of fathers that he has with son, his son. And that thing can bless the soul in a deep way that the other person, his soul, he has many things inside it. They haven't dug out the soul to the point where you can eat another appetite for something else. The same way, some years ago, I can't sit you down and be telling you these things. You would have left here a long time ago. You just, not, you just don't have it in you. you just, if you don't just have it, you don't, you don't have it. Not every soul has the ability to sit there for four, how many hours to listen to this kind of thing. Just not every soul has that. Why? Because this, there's no appetite in them for something like this. But if we went lower and say, okay, this is a miracle service, right? And we just open up a prophetic kind of something right now. Amen. I just, I just tell you everything you did last week. Just, you know, I read, praise God, just tell you. I'll tell you how much in your bank, your bank account, your bank account number, everything. Praise God. All, in all those things, the Holy Ghost, gifts of the Spirit. Some souls can sit there for hours. There's one church when I, when I, when I was, praise God, when I was still 
in, before I came here, when I was in Nigeria, that church, when we are going, when you're going to church in the morning, no matter how early you are to church, because I, I was a worker, so I used to go early, you will find them they are there. When you get there, the cars, the whole, the whole compound is full of cars. Then sometimes the cars will be long to the end of the street and they bend over. Cars will, will just park on the road. Early morning. You know what I'm saying? Then you go to, we go to church, we go back home. Sometimes we have evening, evening program on Sunday evening. By the time you come back, they are still there. Evening, no. You, you've gone home, you ate, you slept. You woke up. Are you getting what I'm saying? What are they there for? What happened? They said there's a prophet there who what, has prophetic ministry. But if, let's say that in that church, it wasn't prophet, they brought somebody to come and just be, let's be teaching Christ and everlasting life. We looked, with those cars line up like, like that, what will happen? So what is it about the soul that can stay for one and not stay for the other? What is that? Appetite. So, you know, one of the signs of health is appetite. And one of the, the marker of growth is appetite. If you've not grown, there are things you will not have appetite for. You just won't. You can try, because you are others, ah, how they stay here? Let me try and stay too. If someone comes with that energy and they stay like that, after some time they will get what? When you call them, ah, oh, brother, why, why happened now? I've not been seeing you. Ah, you say, ah, ah. Say, how you been? I've been meaning to call you, you know, I just miss you. Everything. You greet, but. You, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? So, when a soul deals with the Lord, Spirit of the Lord, there's a, there's a work it can do to a degree. But after a while, he will now hand the soul over to another, another Lord. Another Lord who is to create another kind of response in the soul. The response of a soul to everlasting life is not the same response of a soul to Christ. They are not the same thing. Praise God. So here, he's saying, come out from among them and be ye separate, say the Lord, and touch not what the unclean thing, and I will receive you. You see? And I will, so from where the comma ends, in verse 17, where the comma ends, saith the Lord. That's where what the Lord said ended. Right? After saith the Lord, the comma in verse 17, from and touch not the unclean thing, is now beginning to talk about what somebody else is saying. Right? Come out from among them and be ye separate, said the Lord. That's what the Lord said. Then, comma, then, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, said the Lord Almighty. So, what the Lord Almighty said started from the, the middle of verse 17. Right? And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So, the Lord Almighty is the one who will receive. Praise the Lord. Then he will receive for his own word, his own training. For his own training. 
So what is the training of the Lord Almighty then? When he has received those who touch not the unclean thing. Praise God. His own training is that he's training them to be people who God can dwell in and walk in. Those who God can dwell in and walk in. Those who God can walk, dwell in and walk in. That's the training of who? Of the Lord Almighty. Amen. Amen. Did I make some sense to you? Okay. Praise God. So that angel that has the seal of the living God, what's that seal about? To seal the servants of God. So it's very clear from here what we've seen now, who are the servants of God. Can you tell me who the servants of God are? People who, what? So people who the Lord Almighty has done what? Finished his work in them. So who, who are those people? When the Lord Almighty finish his works in them, who will they be? They'll be what? Sons and what? And daughters unto him. Who are sons and daughters? They are, they are people who God can dwell in and walk in. So sons and daughters are people who God can dwell in and God can what? And God can. Now see, are you seeing that? Say walk. Walk. Dwelling and walking. The indwelling and the walking of God. Dwell and walk. Walking in. God can dwell in them. And God can walk in them. So, so, the, so it's very clear that the living God is the dwelling and walking God. Do you agree? We saw that when you say a seal, seal is according to the work. So that angel that had the seal of the living God. For him to bring the seal of the living God to the servants of God. So it's very clear the servants of God are those who God dwells in and walks in. Those who God dwells in and walks in. So... The servants of God are those who are, who are able to accommodate, who have been raised to accommodate the living God. Do you agree with me? Yes. Okay, now, question. When you say the living God, what does that mean? 
Does that mean that he is not dead? That God is not, is not dead, so he's alive. In just the normal sense, you think of death and life. No, praise God. Living God, all right, the living God means the God that is, it's talking about the living God is the, is the, is that intentional acting out of God's life, which he doesn't need to do. But he chooses to do it. He's not just talking about the dead God. He's talking about the God who is demonstrating his life. That is the living God. Do you get me? The living God, the God who is demonstrating his word, who is life. What's the meaning of the God who is demonstrating life? Is the God who is dwelling and walking in men. The God who is dwelling and walking in man. That's, so that's who is the living God. Do you agree with me? <laughs> eh? I just, I just, if you want to go the way we are going tonight, we'll get there very soon, where we are going to, by God's grace. Praise God. So, who is the living God? The God who is what? Who is demonstrating his life in men. Or let me just put it this way. Who is demonstrating his life for the audience of men? For the audience of men. He doesn't have to do it. He can just stay in that place where he has always been. That immortality that had dwelt in the light which no man can approach unto, which no man had seen, nor can see, nor anything. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He can just dwell in that place where no man will ever see him. But, it's, but he said, okay, I, let me leave a little. I just want to leave. I want to leave for the audience of men. So it's very clear that the living God is a Lord, but he's the Lord Almighty. So who is the living God? The living God is God in Lordship. Do you see that? God, when God is, I want to now be a Lord. I want to demonstrate my life for the audience of men, for men. Are you getting what I'm saying? Aha. God is not always in that form. God was not in that, in that kind of dealing in the, in the eternal past. God wasn't always in that kind of way of being. There's a way God can be in himself and hide it and, it, and not demonstrate it. So to demonstrate it, it's very clear that he must now distill and bring down his, that thing, those materials that make God God, turn them into laws for living. This thing I'm talking about is key. This is a breakthrough. That's why you don't know what, what season of blessing we are in right now upon the earth. What season? This is a very great season 
of blessing. A great season of blessing. Because this is a time where God wants to talk about his own self. And then wants to now bring out his own life in a way that, that it can become a curriculum for lordship. A way to give. So God, the way of, that God can be given is that God must be given, right, as a living curriculum for men. Uh-huh. Now, now, you understand the difference between, now tell me the difference between, in this sense, the difference between the life of Christ and the life of God. Now when you say, you say, ah, is it, is also his, his life of Christ is not living life. Is that what, is that what, um, is that what, um, Christ, of course, is living. Mm. Well, now, I want to enter into the language of scripture to communicate a particular thing. Otherwise, this is the wisdom which the Holy Ghost is giving to scripture so we can demarcate them. Right? So it's for, so that to make right division possible. To make it so right, be able to rightly divide it. If they don't do it this way, we won't be able to rightly divide it. We'll model everything together. So the Holy Ghost has to use a peculiar language surrounding that particular thing. So when you say the living, 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 it's not just talking about there's life there, no. Living. Now, it's talking about that demonstration of the word of God's own life, bringing it into a curriculum and that can turn them into works that can be seen and that can be done. Because that's the only way his soul will ascend into the life of God. Praise God. Uh-huh. You understand what I'm trying to say? That's it. So, so now this, this seal of the living God is for students of the living God. Right. Are for souls who have come into the school of the life. They, they ascended from the school of Christ and they have come into the school of the life which God himself is demonstrating. Now, that life is not just the life of Christ, which is the life of a new creation man. He's not talking about the life of a new creation man. Yes, See, they're talking about the life of God himself. Do you see that? Which is, is made into a form. A form. But not anybody can just learn it. I want to come and let God. No, no, no. They must take you. They must go through promises. First promise, be separate. Second promise, learn how to not to touch the unclean thing. Anybody who sees touching the unclean thing is not a candidate for to come into the living dimension. You won't be able to cross over to the other side. Praise the Lord. So in the book of Hebrews, he spoke about the 
um, amen. Having therefore boldness. Praise God. To enter into it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Quickly, Hebrews 10, verse 19. It says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. By where? By the blood of Jesus Christ. So it's very clear, if we're using the pattern of the tabernacle, you, you can tell the difference that where do you find the living life is in the most holy. Right? There's a clear demarcation between holy, most holy, Holy, most holy. So the most holy life is a life that is, it is, it is actually, is a life that is, is a different kind of life that is demonstrated in darkness. Right? The most holy has no, it has no light that can, it has no, that it has no, it has no native light. The holy place has the sanctuary has a native light. The native light of the sanctuary is the man is the candlestick. That light should always be on, constantly. But in the most holy, there's no native light. When you first enter there, it's first of all dark. What's happening here? But there is a light that is not native. The light can choose to shine or not. It's called the, the Shekinah. Is a, a light that chooses to shine. It can choose to shine. It can shine. If it, by mercy, it can shine. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So that the light of the is the within. It's called the Shekinah. The Shekinah glory talks is the abiding glory. The glory within. The glory within. The glory of the within. That's the Shekinah glory. Amen. So that glory is the glory of, of God. It's the glory of a particular kind of life, which is the light of God's own life, which is demonstrated even in that most holy place. In Aaron's ministry, should I tell you something? In Aaron's ministry, huh, Aaron, when he goes there, that once a year kind of operation, when he goes there, it's very possible that that light does not shine. He goes with incense. Right? He goes with incense. He takes from the golden altar with his incense. He goes with his incense and all that, and then he goes with his own blood, which he sprinkles on the seat. It's highly likely that he sprinkles that thing in blindness. It's possible that Aaron sprinkles, because why? He hadn't come into inheritance of that world. It's very possible that only, only Moses, that, that that light might only shine when Moses is around. Why? Because Moses had, had, what happened to Moses? Moses had walked 
upon the mountain in the presence. So it means that Moses had compatibility with the living attitude of that, that domain. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So and God told Moses that whenever you come into that place, that from above the mercy seat, in between the cherubim, I will commune with you. Upon that mercy seat is where the Shekinah dwells. That's where the light dwells. Do you get what I'm trying to say now? That, that place... So that, that place of the oracle, that most holy place of God, that realm or the realm just before the ark, you see over the ark, is what you call the living realm. Is the living realm. Or you can call it the everlasting realm of God. Praise the Lord. That's the living realm or what? The what? Everlasting realm. So, the way to get into that place, having the boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. The way to get there is a way that is new and then becomes living. It's new and it must become living. New become living. New become living. When it crosses over, it must be living. Now, when they say way here, it's not one road you need to go and pass. It's talking about way, 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 way. It's talking about chain, 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 chain. As it's, the soul is changing, it's passing through the way. You see this way? When the Lord said, I will do a new thing, in Isaiah chapter 43, he said, now, now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? Now, and we saw very clearly that the springing forth of that new thing is springing out from new to becoming living or everlasting. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Then he now began to speak about the way in the wilderness which it will create. Are you getting what I'm saying? That way is the way that the soul ought to take. Like I said, the soul should be getting new newness. Now, if you're talking, if you are under the Lord, under the Lord, the change will be on, that will be going on in your soul. Changing. You're changing, 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 changing. In the nature of Christ, you're changing, changing. Then, in the realm of the spirit, they interpret that change as newness. That's your newness. As you are getting new, you are getting renewed. Your union by is being renewed day by day. You are, you should get renewed. Then they get to a realm in the spirit where they define newness as living. That's the realm of everlasting life. It's still the journey of newness. Are you getting what I'm saying? He's talking about where the command to be to be re, being renewed daily is taking you into is that after a while, they watch the soul coming, being new, being renewed, being renewed day by day, being renewed by day. After a while, heaven begins to say, ha, ha, ha. This soul is becoming, is beginning to live. This person is beginning to live. They're not saying that you were dead before. That is, the, is their language, is their language. Bible is their language. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Uh-huh. So, those who, it's not just being new, it's not just a new thing, right? 
after a while, that new thing which God had did, has done, sorry, will become, will now be able to live in his sight. Will be able to live in his sight. Will we live in his sight. Living in his sight is when the soul crosses over into the life of God himself. Amen. Amen. Remember John chapter 4. He said that he that drinks this water will be in him a well that will then what? Spring up into what? Everlasting life. In, in John chapter 7, he said that uh, uh, um, he that believeth on me as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow forth rivers of living waters. So, when you talk about rivers of living waters, rivers of living waters, out of his belly shall flow forthward rivers of living waters. Amen. So those living waters, talking about the waters of God, the waters of God's own word, God's own life. Praise God. So a soul that is living, a living soul is a soul that has, that has come into the, the walk of God. On Saturday, what we were talking about the difference between religion and spirituality. We were saying, that what is really spirituality? It's flowing with God. That was flowing is what we saw walking in Eden. We saw walking upon the mountain. That any, when it has to do with God's presence, when it has to do with God's presence, is to cause souls to walk with Him. And we see here, He said, I will walk in them, I will be in them, and walk in them. So that what God walking, so the living God is a walking God. Right. When God wants to make, to make his, to, for his soul to be living in his sight, is a soul who can walk with him. Or who God is walking in, inside of them. Praise God. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We have five minutes. Verse 17 says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. A new creature. A new creature. Praise God. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He's a new creature. Now, when you see in, according to God's own pattern in the spirit, in the spirit, there are two kinds of creatures that, that, that should there are two kinds of creatures that God's oracles should produce. Two kinds of creatures that God's oracle should produce. When you see product of God's oracle, you see two kinds of creature. You see first, a new creature is what you call living creature. New creature, living creature. A living creature is a creature that lives in his sight. There's, there's what they call living in the book of Hosea. Is it Hosea? Chapter 6, very quickly. Amen. Thank you, Father. Sorry. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Are you at Hosea, Hosea chapter 6? Quickly. Verse, verse 1, come and let us return unto the Lord, for he had torn, 
he will heal us. He had smitten, he will bind us up. Praise God. After two days, he will revive us. Then in the third day, he will do what? Raise us up, and then we shall live in what? In his sight. Amen. Now, so he will raise us up, and in the third day, that word third day is talking about the final day, which is the, the day of his presence, right? So living in his sight, any creature that can live in his sight is what you call a living creature. There's a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Wow. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. But that's just the first kind of creature that God wants, that the, that the oracles and the New Testament. So the New Testament is a razor of creatures. Yes, different kind of creature. Amen. Amen. We first raise the new creature and make the new creature journey in newness. The new creature, the soul is supposed to journey from being a new creature into becoming a what? A living creature. So it's very clear that in the, when you see going to the most holy place, those beings that, which they molded on the ark, which are surrounding the, the, the presence or the, the, those beings of God's presence, the beings of his sight are living creatures. In the book of Revelation, they make reference to them as the four living creatures. Do you agree with that? The four living creatures in Revelation chapter 4. They are, those are not, they are not new creatures. <laughs> right? What makes them living creatures? They are creatures of his presence. Every creature of the presence of God is, must be a living creature. Do you agree with that? So, not newness alone. You must have the ability to live. Now, what makes them living creatures? The explanation is in Ezekiel chapter 1. There's no time to read it. You can go home and read Ezekiel chapter 1. That was the vision. He said, I saw, vision, I saw visions of God. Very quickly. Thank you. Father, we bless your name. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was, I was among the captives by the river Chebar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel, the, the priest, the son of Buzai, in the land of the Chaldeans, by the river Chebar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him. Praise God. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud, and the fire enfolded itself, and a brightness was about it, and out of the mist thereof, the color of amber, out of the mist of the fire, and also out of the mist thereof came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance, and they had the likeness of a man. Praise God. And everyone had four faces, 
and everyone had four wings. And he began to speak about their feet, praise the Lord. And then the hand and the wings and all. Praise God. Now, let's leave the appearance for now because of time. Then go to verse 12. I want to talk about the characteristic, one of the main characters. All these are characteristics of living creatures, but there are some key characteristics of living creatures, which, are, which is here. Now, from verse 12, it says, And they went everyone straight forward, whither the Spirit was to go. They went. And they turned not when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire and like the appearance of lambs. It went up and down among the living creatures, and the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now, when you were talking about lightning, you've talked about all these things, about the nature of God. So when you, when you say a being moves like the, light, the, the, the flash of lightning, it means what kind of a pace? Who has that kind of pace? Huh? Only God. That's talking about the pace of God. Amen. Now, as I behold the living creatures, behold one will upon the earth by the living creatures, which is four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their walk was like unto the color of a burial, and they had one likeness. And the appearance of their walk was as it were a wheel in the middle of a wheel. Verse 17. When they went, they went upon their four sides, and they turned not when they went. As for their rings, they were so high that they were dreadful, and their rings were full of eyes round about them four. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. And whithersoever the spirit was to go, they went. Thither was their spirit to go. And the wheels were lifted up over against them, for the spirit of the living creature was in the what? In the wheels. And when those went, these went. And when those two, these two. And when those lifted up from the earth, these, the wheels were lifted up over against them. For the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. And the likeness of the firmament upon the heads of the living creature was the color of terrible crystal stretched forth over their heads above. And under the firmament were their wings straight, one towards the other. Everyone had two which covered on this side, and everyone had two which covered on that side their bodies. And when they went, I heard the noise of their wings like the noise of great waters, and the voice of the Almighty, the voice of speech, as the noise of an host. When they stood, they let down their what? Their wings. And there was a voice from the firmament which was over their heads when they stood and had let down their wings. And above the firmament that was over their head, was the likeness of a throne, as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above, upon it. And I saw the color of the amber, as the appearance of fire round about within, from the appearance of his loins even upward. Now describing this man, and from the appearance of the loins even downward, I saw it was the appearance of fire without brightness round about it. Praise God. And as the appearance of the ball that is in the cloud in the day of the rain, so was the appearance of the brightness around about it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face and I heard what? A voice of one that speak. Praise God. Are you seeing the description here? 
So you see, if you can go home and read it very well, you see all they are describing is the living creatures, the way they are positioned, how then he spoke about the technology of their movement, spent time to describe it, that they have wheels, each of them, but their wheels doesn't just move, they move at the same frequency, with lightning speed, without so each one wants to go. And how they move is according to, he calls it the spirit. That word spirit is, talk, is actually the spirit of God, which is in them. That spirit is the same spirit inside God. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is in the wheels. The same spirit in them is in that. That wheel is the machine, machinery of their motion, how they move. Amen. They also upon them is the firmament. On that firmament, you saw the throne. God sitting upon the throne. It means that God, they are the ones who carry God. So, the description of the living creatures, what makes these living creatures are creatures who can move. Who can carry the dwelling of God. To carry the dwelling of God means that you must be able to carry God in a non-restrictive fashion. And there's nothing that his spirit wills to do. There is no way his spirit wants to move that your person cannot accommodate. That's what it means to be a living creature. To be a living creature is talking about the complete accommodation of God in all his judgment, in all his movement. His soul can be raised to accommodate God in that way. So those, those, those four living creatures, the same four beasts you see in the book of Revelation, are you seeing those, those, those beings? They are, God fashioned them in heaven as living to carry out a living kind of, praise God, to carry out a living kind of function. Amen. Amen. To carry out what? A living what? A living kind of function. But that is in the present heaven. In the world to come, it will not be angels who can do that. Not angels. Amen. In fact, you know, God, the Bible speaks about God, that who rides upon the wings of the wind. Those wings are creatures. They're actually living creatures who are able to carry God. Who God can ride. Say ride. God ride upon them. God wants, really wants to ride upon your own wings as you become living. Amen. Today, all I just want you to do is just paint the destination of newness. Where any soul who, any soul who doesn't commit to becoming new, will, this thing I'm saying will just, always, will just be a story. I see how it sounds like, he, to, when I was saying it, you saw how it sounded. Ah! When I said a soul who God can, God can flow in, it sounds like it sounded impossible. That's how it will always be to any soul who doesn't commit to becoming new. You cannot think about a man being that way. You cannot even imagine yourself being that way. It's meant to be that way. It's supposed to be impossible to your mind. But any soul who commits to being new, being renewed every day, even though the outward man is perishing, but is committed to the process of their inward man being renewed day by day, they will not know how. They will just begin to commit to cross from newness to newness to newness to newness. The next new thing you should be, only the present new thing can know it. 
And until you become that next thing, you can never know what the next thing is. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So following God is not God coming to manifest himself like that. that, Ah, this is how men think God should be that way. That's why people are angry that there's no God, there's no God, because God didn't come to their bedroom to drink tea with them. Hey, I'm God, I'm the guy you've been waiting for since. And if God did that, they would not still believe that he's the one. Are you getting what I'm I'm trying to say? So, this thing we're talking about is, I'm talking about the sure way. The sure way. Now, who do, who will have boldness to enter into the holiest of all? According to Hebrews chapter 10. Having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. Means by a way that is new, that, that becomes living. If you step outside that way, forget about the holiest of all. Because that way is the way that is consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say, his flesh. Any soul who will ever come through the veil. You know, some guy says, we've entered into the holiest of all. I'm now in the holiest. I'm sitting on the throne. It's a lie. <laughs> Praise God. Because the way into newness, into the, the living realm of God, to live in the sight of God, is the daily Daily commitment to what? To the ministry of the New Testament. This thing, you have to preach it and preach it and preach it and preach it. You can can preach this thing for 10 years. For 10 years. And you will see the souls are coming to meeting. But they they, they can't just find themselves committing to newness. They can still stay on their religious way. Ah, nice message. Wonderful message today. Thank God. Ah, newness. Thank God. Ah, God will help us. Thank God for God's mercy. Are you getting on? (laughs) I'm not talking about thank God. Ah, nice message and all that. You can do nice message from now till 20 years to come and not change and not be closer to this thing we are talking about. Was it on Saturday we were talking about this, this, that monster called religion? You know how many of us are bound with that thing? And you know the secret about religion? We love it. We are in love with it. We'll do anything to practice it. Religion, the length will go to practice our religious tendency. When someone, God wants to use someone to yank you out of it, you will fight it and go back to that formation. Say, ah, when you when look, there's another way, New Testament, newness, living by revelation, and opening your heart to mercy. You will fancy it. But the tie to that feeling of, of your righteousness is just too strong for the soul to break out of that thing. You, the difficulty of seeing your righteousness is going away and not running after it. It's hard. You see it going away. Many of us will go and bring it back again. And take it. And keep it. What is that righteousness? Is your, you know that definition of spirituality that you've had since you were... Uh, what that definition of spirituality? Uh, I pray today, ah, I feel holy. 
That, you know that thing? When heaven is saying, look, oh, that's actually not the way. That's actually not the way. You say, aha, nice message. God bless you. But you go back to your, that same thing again. That same thing again. That the soul cannot, you know, that reckless abandon into the way of mercy. That way of mercy is the way, it's actually the path of life. It's called the path of life. That will show me the path of what? Of life. It will show me the path of life. What they are showing unto us is the path of life. But the Bible already said that there are many will not find it. Many will like another way. Do you know what that broad way is? The broad way, what makes it broad is it's the way that seemed right unto a man. It's seemed right. What is the way that seemed right unto a man? It is the way that his righteousness prescribed to him. Led. Men are led by their own righteous standard. That this is how, how this thing is. It's about, it's about it's that, that religious feeling. You must, you must serve me, serve me, serve me. Make me feel okay. That's all I want. As, soon as, as long as you keep serving that thing, you are sacrificing the new you that you need to become. There is a kind of courage that needs to possess you. For you to begin to begin the journey to become another person, Amen. there's something that must happen to you. Yes, sir. All your, you know, the, there's a way your, that old, old man has, he, that old man has, has designed a future for you. He has finished your whole future. He has designed everything. You can see, he knows, he has told you who you should be. It's an ideal. He just picked an ideal to you. He's an ideal Christian. He's an ideal husband. He's an ideal wife. He's an ideal brother. They paint it to you. That is it. And they lock it inside your heart. And it's, it's locked by a power. <laughs> that is hard. It's hard. Well, you need, you need courage of the spirit. God needs to possess our vessel again. Possess us, possess us. There's a way that, there's a way that you can say, I will no longer, I will no longer, when that woman was talking about worship, that, no, this is the mountain, that's religion. Well, who, who was the spirit talking inside the woman? She herself didn't know who was talking inside her. Is that the ancient religious spirit that first spoke through the mouth of Adam? He's been inside men. That same spirit is the same one that was that possessed that woman too. Say, no, no, no. They say in this mountain, she began to argue about where they should worship. Not this mountain, that mountain. Jesus said, look, look, the time is coming and now it is. When true worshippers worship the Father in spirit and in truth, that neither in this mountain nor in that mountain will men worship anymore. But the time is coming and now is where what? True. Say, true worshippers worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Why? Because the Father seeketh such. The Father seeketh such. He seeketh such. The Father is looking for, am I, are there souls who are willing to shift out of all these things? And you see that my, that my way, you see that playful, seemingly unserious way? The way of revelation knowledge. The way we've been describing, think of all, everything we've been describing around newness. The, the merciful nature. Are you know what I'm saying? The nature 
who is responding to God's de desire for mercy. See, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? The nature that is willing to respond at that level. Then for a person, the courage for a person to say, I will no longer serve at this altar. I want to be a servant of God. This religious altar, thank you. You've, helped me. You've actually not helped me. I've been following you all my life, yet I'm still the same. God bless you. Now there's another way to, to, to pursue God, to serve God. I want to go this way. The way of mercy. Way of, the way of newness. Living by revelation. Understanding, willing, yielding the heart to, to flow the way God flows. You know that God doesn't always come like that. Being open to, okay, God, how do you want to come to me today? Is it through this brother or the other sister or the other one? Or what about the other non-entity who I always despise, who always makes, who always brings on spiritual things around me? What about the other way? Are you getting what I'm trying to say? I trust the Holy Spirit will minister what they want to say to us today. To you. I'm seeing grace for grace to to come into the path. This is the, the sure path. This is the sure way. The sure path that can get the soul. Get the soul to God. Peter was speaking about this thing. He was speaking about those who searched diligently, who inquired, all kinds of men, prophets. But it was said that not unto them is this things written, but unto us. Then he said, Wherefore, guard up the loins of your mind, be sober diligent and hope to the end for the grace that should come to you at what? The revelation of Jesus Christ. How are you going to open your heart to grace that should come to you at revelation of Jesus Christ? Grace that comes by revelation. Living by what? By revelation. Amen. The Holy Spirit will help us. We're out of time. Just pray for 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Can I give us an assignment to pray tonight when you get home? There is a way the Lord wants to minister this. Do you know why? Because this thing is, is so different. The way our faces are different. 
That's how what this thing means. When, when I talk about religion, for example, it means different things to each of you. There's a way the Lord needs to make you see what He's talking about, what it, what it is in you. And then the Lord will now show you for you what is the other contrary, the other door of grace which they are opening for you, where you will find your newness. The Lord needs to interpret it to you personally. And you will begin to see. Pray, hold this message and pray upon it until the Lord begins to show you things. You begin to see the way. You see that? He said, I will make a way in the wilderness. In that wilderness, there will be a way there. You will see the way. He will show you. And you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Father, we thank you. We bless you tonight. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for speaking to our heart. Thank you for helping us. Pray for every soul under the sound of my voice tonight that you will use this word to trigger, Lord, encounter, encounter. That let our, our soul collide with this path. Let us gain access with the way of life. We know, Lord, it's a straight and a narrow way which many will not find it, but help our soul to be among the few, Lord, that will find the path that leads to life. We want to live in your sight. We want to live in your sight. Help our soul. Solidify our soul. Make our feet firm in this way. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to your holy name. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. between the shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between